Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Corey Musgrave is the pastor of New Beginnings Church in Fairfield, Illinois. That's in the southeastern part of the state. Pastor, your prayer before Illinois House lawmakers back on May 31st sent shockwaves through the state capitol. In that prayer, you condemned what would become Illinois' sweeping new pro-abortion law. What's the fallout from your prayer? The feedback I received was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, we, a couple news stations picked it up, American uh, Family Radio picked it up, and at our church, we were overwhelmed with the amount of phone calls we would receive. I would go in every morning uh, to a voicemail box full of recordings of people thanking me from across the country for standing up for truth. But during the actual prayer, there were some lawmakers who turned their back on you. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, there was several, a few of them, I, I know their names, I won't mention their names. Uh, some of them turned around, uh, one of the representatives that was there with me. I was focused on praying. I didn't hear what was going on on the floor. Some said they could hear an audible hiss on the left side of the aisle. They were not very happy with what I prayed. And now you want to serve the residents of the 109th District as their state representative. Uh, did the new abortion law prompt you to enter the race? Uh, that was one of the things that, that prompted me to get in the race. I think what Illinois is doing, uh, they openly admit that they want to lead the way in being the most progressive state when it comes to abortion. Uh, that is horrible. We cannot do that. We need lawmakers to go to Springfield to stand up and speak the truth. And I say, you know, Monty, you can speak the truth without a pitchfork and a torch. You can just stand up and say the truth and let it, let it go where it is. And that's what I want to do as a representative. Pastor, what's your reaction to the new mega abortion center opening in Fairview Heights just uh, less than a couple hours drive from where you live in Fairfield. On the day I learned about it, I actually had to go over to St. Louis with uh, one of our adopted sons um, to go to the to get him some health care to visit the doctor. And on my way back, I went I looked up the address and it's right off the interstate, right off exit 12, right off Interstate 64. And in one of the news pieces, they talked about how they set this clinic up on purpose to do 11,000 abortions a year without restrictions. They talked about how in the clinics over across state lines shuttle women over to perform the procedures here in our state. It's very concerning to me uh, as someone who's pro-life, also as a taxpayer. We know that uh, women are coming in from across state lines and we don't really have any guarantees that taxpayers are not paying that, that there could possibly be fraud going on. So it's very concerning to me that they're engaged in doing that. So abortions could be committed on women using Illinois taxpayer dollars for women from Missouri. Right. When they ask questions about this on the floor with, with the, uh, uh, the way they set up HB 40, it's a lot of no questions, don't ask, don't tell. Fill out the paperwork, fill it in get the payments. And so Planned Parenthood has set this up. They don't care about women, they care about making money. And the sad thing is they're doing it on the back of Illinois taxpayers. If you're elected as a lawmaker, 
would you encourage some type of an investigation into how Planned Parenthood was able to open a giant facility under the radar of local officials? Yeah, they did it in secret and they talked about doing it in secret. And they said they did that because when contractors know what is going on, they don't show up for work. They don't show up to install the cabinets. They don't hook up the utilities. They don't work on the phone lines. How this was able to be done in secret, how this over $7 million is what they said it cost to renovate this building and to set it all up for this mega abortion clinic, it should be investigated. People, people need to know how they were able to do this without the public knowing. It all seems kind of suspicious, doesn't it? Absolutely it does, like a lot of the rest of the abortion laws. In the face of all this, you're speaking for the past Pregnancy Care Network, organization that promotes life, uh, alternatives to abortion. And we need more of that than what Planned Parenthood is offering. Yes, we do. You know, the theme is extreme ownership. and as people who believe in life, I think we can do more. We can take ownership of these things. We can do more. We can adopt. We can give financially. We can get engaged. You know, we may be coming to the point also, we may need to engage in civil disobedience, to stand in front of clinics, to say to block the driveways, to sit down peacefully and protest, not to scream and yell, but to say, you know what, what is going on behind those doors is so horrendous, is so evil of taking babies apart, of selling their body parts for profit, that we cannot just sit by and do nothing anymore. What about taxpayers? We're culpable too because we're now forced to pay for elective abortions. That's a discussion that's being had. When we look at what is happening, and I realize when we start talking about these things of civil disobedience, about what it might cost us, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we really believe what's going on behind those doors is murder? Do we really believe that they're taking babies, that they're cutting them apart, that they're selling their body parts for profit? We've seen it. The Center for Medical Progress has shown us what's happened. If we believe that, if we believe it's as horrendous as what we say we do, then I think the only way to stop this is to continue to escalate our civil disobedience. Well, it seems as though Planned Parenthood and their allies in the General Assembly and the governor always have the upper hand on life lawmakers and the life community. If you're elected, what do you propose to do to go on offense? Just what we're doing now. We have access to forms of media that they didn't have years ago, social media. We can keep putting the messaging out there as far as a lawmaker. We can keep saying, hey, so-and-so received X amount of dollars from the Planned Parenthood Pact. We can reveal the corruption. We can reveal the inside deals that are going on. We can talk about those things so people know and are informed. I'll also will not waver from standing up on the floor and speaking the truth and uh, representing my district well, which is very pro-life, and saying that we believe that life, the unborn are human beings, and our laws should be created as such and should reflect that belief. And there's 40 Days for Life, the prayer campaign outside abortion centers. And I think maybe a lot of folks say, well, we gotta fight abortion legislatively, but it's a spiritual battle. Sure. You're a pastor. Right. It means something to me. And the spiritual aspect, and I want to go back just a little bit to your previous question. 
one thing as a legislator that I'm thankful for is I'm not alone. So I'd be one out of 118 members in the House, but there's other individuals such as Darren Bailey, who's running for state Senate, Blaine Wilhauer, who is a state representative, Chris Miller, who's a state representative, many more who are building a coalition to stand together to oppose these bills that are happening. Uh, we know there's a bill right now that is being that has been put forth just recently that prohibits state employees from traveling to pro-life states on business. Now we are starting to restrict travel based on whether or not a state laws protect the lives of unborn human beings. You think there's a growing movement among lawmakers to oppose what's happening leftwardly. I do, and you know, I, I just, I had my, uh, some of my clothes dry cleaned, picked it up from the dry cleaner the other day, and the dry cleaner said, you know, I've been a lifelong Democrat, but I cannot go along with what they're doing anymore. And I hear that message over and over and over again. And I'm working with other pastors across the state to try to stand up and speak out on these issues and get people engaged to vote pro-life. All right, we'll continue our conversation with Pastor Corey Musgrave, and we're going to talk indoctrination and drugs on round two of Illinois Family Spotlight. Sometimes we must state the obvious. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with a point. I'm convinced that the T in the LGBT acronym now stands for toxic masculinity. What else do you call it when men use their power to dominate and oppress women and take what they've long fought for? Case in point, last week the NCAA's Big Sky Conference named a biological male as the female cross-country runner of the week. As Christian business leader Mike Shero recently told me on our podcast, people assume that surely when it gets crazy, things will self-correct. But as Mike says, surely has left the building. George Orwell was right to say that restating the obvious is the first duty of intelligent men. So coaches, athletic directors, parents, it's our duty to state the obvious. Biological males should not compete in women's sports. I'm thankful that one Connecticut female athlete and the Alliance Defending Freedom are doing that by filing a complaint with the Department of Education. Shirley might have left the building. We must stay in the arena. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight once again. I'm Monty Larrick, and with me is Corey Musgrave, the pastor of New Beginnings Church in Fairfield, Illinois. He's seeking the Republican nomination to become the state representative in the 109th district. That's a conservative district. Yes, very conservative. The most conservative district in Illinois. And you've been working with the Wayne County Opioid Coalition to Combat Drug Addiction. How bad is the opioid problem in southeastern Illinois, and how did it get that way? Well, there are pockets uh, where we do have frequent overdoses, where people are losing their lives, uh, where they pass out Narcan, which is to bring people back. Um, to, they do Narcan training. So there is, a, there is an epidemic of opioids. And how it got that bad, uh, Monty, I really think that it goes back to the breakdown of the family. We're seeing the breakdown of the family across the board in southeast Illinois like we are in lots of other parts of the nation, and I think that has direct ties to the opioid crisis. You say the breakdown of the family. 
No dads in the home? No dads in the homes. Mom and dad, maybe grandparents are raising their kids, maybe someone else is raising the kids. Um, so there's not structure in place, there's not discipline in place, and just the end results of that we're seeing in our society now. Would legalized recreational high-potency marijuana help to combat the opioid problem? Well, um, the other, other places have showed us that it does not. It actually has the opposite effect, that it can be a gateway drug, that uh, it, the high content, as you mentioned, high content THC causes uh, mental problems, that they're seeing an increase in Colorado on their mental health facilities. So no, it would not help at all. Well, if you're elected, what changes would you make to the Illinois recreational marijuana law? Would you want to put limits on THC levels, et cetera, or what? I think that should be a, that should be something that could be passed, that everyone should get on board with, because the weed that is being smoked today, or the edibles, or the, the, the high concentrated THC, is not what they had in the 60s and 70s. And it's causing problems, it's causing problems in society, it's causing, it's causing an overload in the healthcare industry, in some of the states where this has happened. Uh, it's common sense legislation that I believe we could get passed. I think that's what a part of the big problem is in Seattle and San Francisco, for instance. It's not so much a homeless problem, that it's a drug problem that leads to homelessness. Absolutely it is. Denver as well. They're experiencing record rates of homelessness because of that. Do you fear that uh, farmers in southeastern Illinois will say, why am I growing corn and wheat and soybeans when I can make more money growing marijuana? It's a possibility. You know, they talked about uh, home sales and rent and outside of Denver skyrocketed because each residence could grow so many pot plants. And people who owned homes, they could make more money off using that address and growing the pot there and selling it than they could renting it out. So this type of thing has all sorts of adverse consequences that, that I don't think the lawmakers have really thought out yet, and what you brought out could be one of them. I, you know, I'm thinking about the environmental impact that this could have, especially to farms, et cetera. Yeah, it could. I mean, you know, agriculture is a big issue, a big uh, industry in the area that I live in, and it very well could. You know, we've been hearing that they're not done on the drug issue, the left lawmakers, radical regressive left they like to call themselves progressives, that maybe they're going to be pushing for the legalization of all drugs, not just marijuana, cocaine, heroin, etc. Bad idea. Yeah, and they've talked about that as well as prostitution. And so it's like once we've opened the gate, it's like, well, let's just let it all in if we can make some money off of it. And that's the wrong direction to go. You're a pastor. What are you going to tell the kids in your church about marijuana. You know, it's got, supposedly just going to be for adults 21 and over, but you know, with more access, it's going to filter down to the kids. Yeah, so I mean, we're very active in our church. Uh, I think taking drugs for recreational use is, is wrong, shouldn't be done, shouldn't do it. And uh, we have a life recovery program where we are proactive and warning, but we also have a thing, we also have a program to help people once they're struggling through addiction. And that's one of my reasons why I'm opposed to it because I've seen firsthand the awful result of addiction in people's lives, how it rips families apart, how it uh, causes people economic hardship, 
how it rips children away from their moms and dads. And so this is, we're, we're just going down the wrong path. The wrong path. The state trying to raise revenue through drugs, marijuana, and potentially legalized prostitution. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the other thing about this. And all, the proponents, what they say over and over and over again is that this is, look, the state's going broke. We need money. People are going to smoke it anyway. Let's make money off of it. The reality is when you look at states that have legalized it, like Colorado, they have not netted into the black. They Maybe this year would be the first year that they went into the black on that. They've been in the red every year because of the problems in society and the other issues that they have. We also have to remember that this uh, marijuana is still a class one drug federally, that it's still illegal against the feds. So a lot of your banking institutions will not touch the financial transactions with these businesses, so it's a cash business. And no one's been able to answer me, how are we gonna make sure they're, they're producing the proper tax receipts even? We don't know that. I haven't heard an answer to that yet. I've asked that question over and over again. So I believe that this whole thing of a financial boom, it's just not true. It hasn't happened other places, and there's no reason to believe it's going to happen in Illinois. Well, you know, the proponent's going to say the state needs the revenue. We need revenue from gambling. We need revenue from uh, marijuana. And if you don't have that revenue, where does the money come from? Where are the growth industries in Illinois? What's your idea? Uh, how can we turn Illinois around? One of the things we've got a problem in Illinois right now, we've got, especially where I live, in the district I live, we have a shortage of workers. And that's due to people leaving, leaving the area. So they're not there buying other things with the money that they would make. Factories can't keep workers, we can't keep teachers, we can't get people to do construction jobs because people are leaving. We don't so much need a, a revenue issue, we've got a taxing problem, we've got a spending problem in Illinois. And so we need to cut spending across the board. We've got so much waste, we could sit here and talk for hours about the different departments, about examples of that. We need to cut spending instead of just looking away for more tax revenue, we need to cut spending cut taxes, get people back to work in Illinois, and then we'll see an economic uptick. Make Illinois more business friendly absolutely. with regulatory reform, et cetera. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Pastor Corey Musgrave, you're running for office and you serve as president of the Jeff School District 14. Have you been able to keep socialism and hatred of America out of classrooms in your district? Oh, that's something, you know, we believe America is an exceptional place. We believe that freedom and liberty is what made it that way. We start the day out every every morning with, with a pledge, a moment of silence. Recently, we were just at the flagpole with CU at the pole. So uh, we very much promote our constitution, our flag, and our country. But when those things come up, does the school board address them, talk about socialism and this revisionist history that says America is bad? Well, luckily, we kind of live in a bubble, I'll admit, down there, Jeff, Illinois. So uh, we've got a lot of great teachers that believe in America, that believe in our form of government, that believe in our constitutional republic. And so I can honestly say we really haven't had a lot of the issues that we've seen in other school districts come up like that. Mandated LGBT history is coming to Illinois uh, next year. How would you like your district to respond? Well, I addressed that early on. Over a year ago, I wrote a resolution that we passed as a board that said we would reject any mandate uh, to teach 
sexual orientation in the classrooms, that that should be left alone at home. So we, we addressed that over a year ago before the bill was even passed. Will that keep the state from saying you must teach this? No, they're still going to probably say we're going to teach it, but we're just not going to do it. And there's a lot of other school districts down south that aren't going to do it either. So, You're willing to pay the consequences? Somebody has to. I mean, we have to. are we just going to keep going along with, with everything they tell us to do when it's wrong? I mean, that, that's been my question all along with this. When is somebody going to stand up and say, no, we're not going to go along with this anymore. We're not going to do it. Let the consequences come what may. That's what civil disobedience is. But we are not going to go along with it. And so we're not going to. Can Donald Trump win Illinois? Can Donald Trump win Illinois? That's a good question. Uh, nothing's impossible. I think if the Democrats keep going as strong as they are, it could be in play. We see states like Minnesota that are, and the same thing can happen in Illinois. And if he has a good showing in Illinois, it could help your election bid. Oh, absolutely. Yep, it very well could. And is it time for Chicago and Cook County to become their own state? How I would answer that question is, I think the conversation needs to be had that the southern part of the state is tired of Cook County dictating what, what we do down there. They can address some things regionally. If they want to address their minimum wage regionally, let them do it. But don't put it on us with the rest of the state. They want to pass some of the laws up there in Cook County and Chicago, let them. But the state representatives in Cook County need to know that the residents of Southern Illinois don't appreciate being drug along with their agenda. What's your wife think about you running for office? I have a great wife. I've got five kids, so uh, she's been very supportive. I'm very thankful for couldn't do it without her. And what's your church think about it? So when I made the announcement to the church, I announced it to them before I made my public announcement and I talked to the board and, and they stood up and gave a standing ovation. And what I told them then was, uh, we'll see how we get through the primary. I have to get through the March 17th primary. And if we get through it, then we'll go, we'll fast and pray about what to do next. Time for other God-fearing pastors to run for public office. We need the Black Robe Regiment again. We need pastors to stand up to speak from their pulpits. We need them to run for elected office. We need them to get engaged. We need them to stand on the front lines. People would like to see you get elected. What should they do? Well, uh, if you live in the 109th, vote for me. You can check out my Facebook page, uh, Corey Musgrave for state representative. And uh, campaign contributions always help as well. So. All right. Thank you very much. Pastor Corey Musgrave running for state representative as a Republican in the 109th District, and you've got a church there. Hey, uh, maybe someone would like to stop by your church, too. Yeah, absolutely. 1310 East Main Street, Fairfield, Illinois. We'd love to see a service starts at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Thank you so much. God bless. Thanks for listening. Remember to support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.